You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Everybody, you're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast, and I'm your host, Jonathan Havercroft. I'm flying solo once again as Ryan's on parental leave this summer. And so today we have a special interview with, I think, one of the up-and-comers in our sport. So we, the, if you may have kind of been following the World Mixed Doubles Championship, which was obviously won by Team Scotland. But there was a bit of a surprise uh, in the bronze medal side where Team Germany kind of qualified through the, the qualifier playoff spot and then managed to win the bronze medal game and kind of came away with a medal. And it was the pairing of Claudius Harsch and Pierre-Lisa Skoll. And we managed to reach out to Claudius and uh, kind of set up an interview with him. Uh, as we'll find in the interview, he's actually very busy. He's As we kind of release this episode, he's currently competing with Germany at the World Junior Championship. So he's already won a uh, world medal at the adult level, but he's still eligible for juniors. And I think that, you know, we talk about a whole bunch of things in this podcast, uh, kind of his history in curling, what curling's like in Germany, his thoughts on mixed doubles and how he got into it, how the German national program set up. And I think it's a pretty wide ranging and kind of interesting talk. And I think that I came away from this thinking that Claudius is one of the kind of up and comers in the game for sure. He's, this is kind of a, may have been his breakthrough event uh, internationally, but he certainly has the mentality and the dedication to go very far. So without further ado, let's listen to my discussion uh, with Claudius. So my guest today is Claudius Harsch from the German mixed doubles bronze medal winning team. Uh, they just won the mixed doubles with his partner, Pia Lisa, at the uh, 2022 World Mixed Doubles Championship. Uh, welcome to the show, Claudius. And first of all, congratulations on your big win. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. And so we, we want to start off by asking you the question we ask all our guests to begin with. So where are you from? And what was it like growing up there? Yeah, I'm from from Rastatt, which is a, a city in close to the French border in uh, Germany, like southwest, pretty close to French and France and not that far from Switzerland, which is kind of nice for curling. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of curling, a lot of golf, a lot of just living a normal child life um, growing up here. Um, I was lucky that in Germany, we act, like in this part, we actually have a curling club. So is this area in Germany kind of a curling area because it's close to Switzerland? Well, no cur- no area in Germany is really a curling area. Most of like the what what's most of a curling area in in Germany is uh close to the Austrian border, Allgäu, um where there's Oberstdorf, Füssen, there used to be Garmisch. Um there's quite a lot of uh, curling clubs there. Bavaria is the most um curling area in Germany. Um, uh, but my home hometown actually has a curling club because there was a Canadian air base there after the second world war. Um, because like Germany was, uh, like there were Canadians, Americans, uh, the British and all, like all the winning nations, um, had air bases there. And that's why we have a curling club because they were like, well, what are we supposed to do here? Let's build a curling club. Let's build an ice hockey ring and let's build a golf club. That's how Canadians are. 
And that's fortunate for me because otherwise I would have never played curling. Okay. And so, so then how did you get into curling then? Uh, because my mother, like she played golf when she was younger and got into the golf club and the golf club and the curling club are the same club. So she just tried out curling then um, well before I was born, liked it and started doing the, the junior training actually. Like from 96 on, I think she started doing the, all the junior courses. And that's why, like when I was born, uh, I was born in January. So in October, the curling season started and my mom started doing the, the, all the curling stuff again. And well, she had, had to take me with her because like a nine month, my nine month old baby, baby, what are you supposed to do? Um, so <laughs> I was just on the ice or outside, um, being looked after by other mothers that were waiting for their children to be done with their practice. And yeah, was used to being on the ice and around the curling club from a very, very young age because of that. Um, I have seen a lot of pictures of my, of myself. You imagine a two-year-old kid being pushed around on curling rocks uh, for fun by their, by young children, because like, fun with with the with the uh, with a young young child or baby even and when i was five or six years old the mother that always looked after me when my mother was on the ice like they moved away um so my mom didn't have anybody to to look after me so what she did was just um well then obviously i started curling usually she was just like okay um when you're eight years years old you can start curling but I started with five or six years old and then never stopped and just grew into it, got more and more uh, year by year. And at some point I started being professional. Oh, good. So, so was your mom your first coach then? Yeah, my mom was like my coach from when I was five years old till I was 16 years old uh, or 17 even um, all the time, basically until I'm like, I, I did an exchange here in Canada when I was 15, 16 lived in Winnipeg for a year. That's before that she was my coach all the way. And after that, for the two years after that, she was the coach when we were at the world juniors and the, the two world juniors we did, she was the coach with us there with that team. And until then she was always the coach. And after that, when, when, when I was 18 and started being a uh, professional girl in Germany, then it was more the national coaches supporting us, but not uh, sure. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll come back to that in a second because I yeah. want to talk a little bit about how it works in Germany. But actually, I want to talk about your junior career because you've, you've yeah. actually had – so you okay, so even though you've won an adult bronze medal in a world championship, you're still eligible for juniors, and you've already had a fairly successful junior curling career. So you've competed in both the junior B pool and the world junior championship. And it looks like you're going back to the world juniors again in Jokoping in Sweden, kind of later this month. And uh, you're also you've also been the alternate on the Germans men team. Is that correct at the Worlds this year? Uh, this year I was not the world men's, but the the year before that, 2021 in Calgary. That's okay, when it was alternate. And yeah, with the junior career, we started when we were like when I came back from Winnipeg. I was like 16. We started f forming that team again with uh, Sixten Totzek, Joshua Zutor, and Januka Hack back then. Uh -huh. um, had quite a good first season qualifying B Worlds uh, to go to the first A Worlds for Germany since I think 2009. So 10 years ago was quite an achievement. And we had quite a good season back then. And then the second season wasn't that great, obviously. Um, 
had a bit of a fallback. We were fifth in 2018, then seventh in 2019. Actually, when you look at the World Championships, I would argue that the second World Championship, we played better, but we just didn't win as many games. Um, okay. this, the first World Championship, we just, like, everything went right. Like, I think we had four games that we won, and all four games won the last shot, sometimes with, with crazy shots. And in the, oh, wow. the championship the year after that, we had three wins, but we had four more games that were close that we all lost on the last shot. And the three games we won were actually quite uh, like more controlled wins. Mm. But that's how it sometimes goes. Uh, it has to go your way. Um, like this year, the World Mixed Doubles went our way on like, like the first one a lot more again. Okay. Um, yeah, and then got downhill again like i haven't like i didn't get a chance in 2020 2020 i think it was yes with the pandemic um, you mean or no in 2020 there was krasnoya so after 2019 um the team split up that five-man team that we had for the two world juniors before hmm. they continued as a four-man team and i was out of juniors because they were the national team then okay. and i was alternate in 2020 so i didn't get a chance to play that much um that's how i actually got started into into mixed doubles because um, I wasn't on the junior national team anymore. So tried mixed doubles and then had success there. Um, yeah. And then in 21, because of the pandemic, we were actually going to play again in the old squad with Sixton, Joshua and Magnus Sutor. But um, then, yeah, the pandemic hit, the worlds got canceled. And now we had, me personally, I had two worlds in a row where I couldn't, couldn't play myself oh. basically. Okay, so you hinted at this. You said you're a professional curler uh, in Germany. So I guess my when I was putting this together with my notes, I was like, wow, you're playing in like three world championships and pretty, you know, or two world championships in pretty quick succession here. How do you have the time for all of this? So in Germany, what does it mean to be a professional curler? We're pretty fortunate in Germany that we have a program that finances some professional athletes. There are about, I think, 800 or 900 athletes in all different sports uh, getting financed through the military. Um, so we're technically soldiers. There's seven of us right now in curling. And that's how I got started. Like after I did my high school, I got into the world, I, I got into the professional, professional military. And now I basically get a salary every, every month to play curling. That, that's what I've been doing for the last three, three years. So pretty fortunate there that we get this opportunity. Obviously we have disadvantages to other countries and some other areas, like um, it's more difficult to study and um, play curling at the same time because we like the facility in Füssen is two hours away from the, from a, from a university. But um, in terms of, of getting the chance to play professional curling, we're pretty good in Germany and that's how it basically works. So you go, you apply for that. And if you get in, you get a monthly salary and you play curling. Yeah. Uh, so that's okay. So do you have, do you have to do like other military service then with that? Or is it primarily just playing curling full time? Um, would you have to do a basic military training, but it's four weeks. You don't like, it's more of a getting to like getting to know the military. You, in theory, you can now, um, I can wear a uniform. I can, um, do basic military tasks, but not that much. So it's four weeks. And then after that, it's um, your job is to play curling. And every summer you do another three or four week program um, to get a military. Is it like military certification or? 
Yeah, your certification. You you just have to like every time you do it, you do a, you do one of those programs, you get a higher level and you get a little bit more money or you get a little bit like a better rank and stuff. It's it's more form a formality. So most of like ninety percent of the year we're just going. Yeah. Okay. So you're going back to the World Juniors in a couple of weeks. Uh, is your team the same one this time, or is it a new team? No, it's a new team. This was the it's a team, Benny Cup, um, Felix Messenzel, Johannes Scheuerl, and Magnus Sutor, or Bobby. And I'm going to be the alternate on that team. And we're hoping to, like, it's the first first world, world championship for most of our players. But we're hoping to be pretty successful there. Maybe we can qualify for the semifinals and see what's in store then. Like, our, our goal always is to get the queue, like that queue behind your name. Um, behind the national, like the team Germany, and then the queue behind that, that that would be awesome. And see what, like, as soon as you're in the semifinal and the final, there's everything, everything can happen there. And it's anyone's game. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good plan. You've certainly been made the semifinals before, right? Or is that the other team? Um, the other team. So I, like, I've technically been in the same semifinal before, but I was an alternate. So um, I didn't play in a semifinal. I was sitting on the bench for the semifinal, but the, the team that was in the semifinal was Six and Totsek, uh, Joshua Sutor, Jan Luka Haag, and uh, Magnus Sutor. They played in the semifinal in 2020, which was quite a success. And unfortunately, lost that game. That was was such a great great game. It was probably the the best played junior game I've ever seen from both teams. And we were just fortunate to to lose that one. I would say, like with the performance we did as a team there in the semifinal. Like almost every other game in juniors I've seen, we would win that game. But Team Canada just played outstanding that game, and we unfortunately lost. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, those are tough. But if you're in the uh, world semifinal, it's going to be a tough game, right? So let's turn down to mixed doubles. So you're like your success last week um, in Switzerland. So um, I guess my first question is, what attracted you to mixed doubles? Why did you pick that up as an extra discipline? Kind of interesting. It goes back to when we, when I said that the team, the junior team split up. Personally, for me, I got into mixed doubles because the junior team split up, so I didn't have, didn't play juniors anymore. I didn't have a team, and I was just looking for any playing time and curling whatsoever because I was a professional curler without a team, which is kind of a problem. And Pia-Lisa, at the same time, she was playing with Konstantin Kemp um, at a World Mixed Doubles Championship the year before, okay. but he couldn't do quite the commitment. Um, that season when I didn't have a team as well. So we were just like, okay, um, we both don't have a team right now. Let's try try and play together. Played two events together. And then we're like, that looks pretty good. Then we got nominated by the uh, association for the World Mixed Doubles qualification event and played that together. Qualified for the World Championships. So obviously when you qualify for the World Championships, you stick together and hope to actually play at the World Championships. With, for which we actually had to win the nationals again, but didn't do that. Um, okay. Like we placed second in that world championship, but uh, that national championship, but the world championship then didn't happen. So that's how it got started with Pialisa. It's quite funny that with with Pialisa and myself, we um, started playing together. Just let's play those two events together. Then it worked out good, so we played another couple of events together. Then it worked out good, so we played another couple of events together. It basically took. I think a year or a year and a half until we actually fully committed to 
uh, now we are actually a team. So because it just happened to be that we both needed playing time. But you, I mean, it sounds like you were success right away also. It sounds like you were pretty successful every event you entered into for the first year as well. Well, relative success. Like, I mean, we didn't win. If, like, I, I'm not sure if we won any event. Like, obviously, we won the mixed doubles qualification there and the national championship. But on the World Curling Tour, I don't think we have won an event. But those events are quite tough to win when there's Team Carrillos and Oliver Paul and all those uh, good teams playing all the time. But when you make a quarterfinal, for example, I think in the first event we made the quarterfinal, the first event we played together, that to me was a success of 18 years old. That's what I was talking about when success, like you always got to stay um, in perspective that like a quarterfinal is great. As soon as you made a couple, couple quarterfinals, you, you set a new goal to make the semifinal maybe at some some event. And yeah, we didn't win events, but still played good. You, you mentioned a couple of things there. And so I just want to kind of tease out how national teams work in Germany. Does Germany use a playdown system, or and if you win the the championship, you get to go, or do they use selection? Yes, you have to. It, it depends on the if it's mixed doubles, if it's men's, if it's women's, if it's juniors. Essentially, I would say you can put it that way. Um, they put in a system that makes sense for the amount of players and amount of teams that are there at the current time. So every couple of years, it changes. For mixed doubles, it's it actually has been consistent that so far always um the winner went to the world championship so the last couple of years we all like plis and myself we always had to win the national championship or qualification event to go to the to represent germany at the world championships um for men's and women's it's a bit different because a lot of times there was only one competitive team so then even like they didn't have to win the national championship they were selected beforehand they might even not have played the national championship that's in smaller countries. It's not that easy as in Canada, where you can always say just the winner goes, um, because if there's only one or two teams, yeah, it's um, more difficult. But for mixed doubles, always you have to have to win to play the world championship. Okay, and so how many how many teams entered the mixed doubles the the years you won? This year there was I think eight teams competing there, but realistically there was um, I think three teams that were entering as professional players. So as actually um, playing the entire season to compete at a world championship. And there were a couple more teams that played like maybe for, for example, Gianluca Haag, who I mentioned earlier, he played a lot of juniors for the last couple of years. He didn't mm-hmm. play um, competitive as much, but they entered the event just to play the national championship itself. So eight teams played. So, so just eight teams entered the national championship then. You still have to win. That's that's always the tough thing. Like um, even we played a national championship in 2020 with the world, uh, like the men's national championship, and there was actually like I won that championship with um, three other players that we just entered for that event. All three of them they play basically only um, club curling, but because the ice was dicey all the the entire championship. We actually managed to beat the national team, like the team Totsik in the final. Um, so that's what I like. You always have to win against those teams. Like it, it gets tougher and tougher. Like we almost lost to Yanuka. We played him, we played him in the extra end because like they can curl. Like they have played at the world, cha- world level before. They just haven't practiced as much the last couple of years. So we're in the position that 
we have to win because we're the national team for the last two years and we're the one putting all the time in and practicing two hours every day. Um, but at the end of the day, if you, you have a couple tough ends and mixed doubles, you're, you can be in really big trouble really quickly against teams where you think you should beat them based on the um, amount of work you put in versus the amount of work the other team puts in. So you, you went in 2019, right? So this was your first time playing internationally in mixed doubles. You went 8-0. But then you had the pandemic, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, then it's prevented you from competing in 2020. So what did you do during the pandemic to keep your mixed doubles team ready to compete? Um, I would say for the pandemic in terms of how we practice and how we try to get better, it didn't change as much as you might think it, it did because the facility in Fürsten, it stayed open the entire time. The, what, what changed for me mostly was that my my home club in Rastatt, um, that one was not a national facility, so it didn't get the permit to, to stay open all year um, because it wasn't considered high-performance curling, rather recreational curling, a recreational sport was not allowed during the, during the pandemic in the same way as high-performance uh, sports. So for me, it changed in a way that I had to live in Füssen way more. Um, just to get my practice in. So it was my pandemic life, like between August, 2020 and May 21 was basically be in Füssen four or five days and then go drive back for a couple of days at home and then be in Füssen a couple of days again, drive back and back and forth all the time because like you can't just stay there all the time when like your social life and your private life and your um, university even is here, but at the same time, you have to be there a lot of, a lot of the time to get your practice in and get better. And when you're like, at that time we were trying for Olympics, we were hoping to make the, um, Olympic games. And then it's basically go as much as possible. But in terms of like, we practice the same way, even when the pand pandemic hit, we just couldn't play as many tournaments and, yeah, we actually would not have gone to the World Mixed Doubles Championship in 2020 if it had happened because we lost the national championship in the month at the month before that. So Mark Moskatowicz and Lena Kapp would have actually been the team to go there. So we would have qualified Germany for the World Championship, but wouldn't wouldn't we didn't qualify ourselves? <laughs> oh, that's so. So it's they have like two championships: one for the mixed doubles like B event, and then one for the World A if the team qualifies or. Um, actually not. There was in the, the, for the world mixed doubles qualification event, there was no national, um, event to decide who goes okay. there because it was overlapping, I think with the European championship. So Mark who played the European championship would have needed to go straight from your, from the Europeans mm -hmm. men's to the world qualification. So the association just made, made the decision that, um, Pia Lisa and myself, we go. Okay. And they selected us without playing a game against them. And then we won the mixed doubles qualification event. And in February, then there was a mixed doubles German nationals. And yeah, we went undefeated to the final and then lost the final, which was, is the most frustrating way to yeah. play a championship. Yeah. yeah. Second, second international. <laughs> I've, I've come second a bunch of times in English championships. It's very, uh, very painful. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's quite painful. Like the I think the 
there was a page playoff system. We went undefeated to the one-two page playoff, won the page playoff, were in the final. And I think Mark and Lena, they were they lost the game in the round robin, were third and had to go through the three-four page semi-final and then played us in the final. And we had such a ah like it was a good game. It was a game like on one, like both teams played similarly well. So they deserved to win that game, but it was quite frustrating losing on the last rock and stuff. And, uh, fortunate, like then the worlds didn't happen, and the year after that we could um, make up for it again. So, so in twenty twenty one, you did get to go to the world. So, what was that experience like? Well, that was that was an awesome ride, especially because in in March twenty twenty one, we played a national qualification for the world championship, where there was like that was probably might have been the toughest field I've seen in a long time and in Germany playing against each other. Ten, we played 10 games there to get to the World Championship and won the last game of a best of three final um, quite emotionally, was, which was very special just to get there and play a World Championship as well. Again, because for me, especially as a junior player, you, you come up from juniors and then you play two consecutive World Junior Championships and you kind of get used to it. Like, okay, I play a World Championship every year and all of a sudden you get there's another team playing the world junior championships. You don't, you don't get to play the mixed doubles championship. You haven't played one in two years. It's been a long time. And then, um, in the, during that time, I kind of learned to not take it for granted that you go there just because in, with, with the juniors, we were going there two, two times. And after the second time I thought, okay, we're going to go to the, the third time. And then they played without me, which was for me then, okay. Um, just because you have played a couple doesn't mean you go there every year. You can't just take it for granted. And that mixed doubles was special in a way there just to see, okay, I, we managed to get back here. And for Pia and myself, um, we played a decent week there. Um, I think personally, I would say with the with the performance we put, we, we put out there, we were happy, but just lost one frustrating game against Italy, which we, um, like we had a lot of chances there. We had a shot to win at the end even, but um, that was one game where I came off the ice was so frustrated with how I played, um, which cost us, the, cost us the Olympic Games. But, like if you look at it from the... Um, Would you, so that's the Italian team that won the gold medal then? Yeah, that's, that's quite frustrating because we were playing them to the last rock. And if you look back at that game, if we had won that game, we would have been at the Olympics and they would have been at the Olympic qualification again. That, should, that just shows you how, how um, close mixed doubles is as a whole. Like, um, I think Team Canada at that championship was not safe to go to the Olymp playoffs and therefore Olympic Games until the last draw. And yeah, I mean, Team Italy, they, they just did a, did, a, did a great job. And also they improved so much from, from that mixed doubles championship all the way to the Olympics. I think like Steffi, uh, Steffi just did a huge job also like improving her game. They were quite a bit like they, quite a bit better when they won the gold. And now they're one of the top teams at every, any event they enter. I, I think this goes to show you how, uh, how close curling can be at the elite level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think led to your breakthrough in winning the bronze at this year's mixed doubles then? What what was the difference from last year to this? Um, one year more experience, experience, especially for me. Like when when we were in 2021, I'm I would have I would say regarding myself, 
Um, I haven't played there. Like it was my first adult world championship where I actually played. So the first couple of games, I was a little bit nervous still, but um, we just played a little bit better and had things go our way. That's as simple as it is sometimes. Perform a little better and get a little better help. Like we had, when we when you look at our world championship this year, um, we won w- one more game than the year before, um, but we needed help after five games. Like we were two wins, three losses, which is was like expectable is maybe the wrong word, but um, when we looked at our schedule before the week, we we saw okay we have five really really strong teams at the beginning. We had Canada, Scotland, USA, Australia, and Hungary, which is four of the five Olympic teams in our group in the first five games. So we basically had the toughest schedule you could possibly have in the first half. And um, we were always going to be a bit on the back foot and then catching up in the second half. Um, But after five games, we were two wins, three losses. We needed help from other teams to just have a chance. We didn't have it in our own hands and just improved game by game. That's probably the story of a week, staying patient and getting used to the ice. The ice in, in Geneva was good but tricky i would say because it just got a little frosty all the time and you have to you really had to remember every spot you played because if you played a spot a couple of times it got quicker and it got straighter and if you haven't like if you didn't don't play the same spot for two ends um you really had to throw it with more rotation and a little bit more ice and a little more speed and just remembering that every time because in mixed doubles you don't have a lot of time to talk about it so yeah, it was really easy to make mistakes that really look silly, like make make shots. And then like sometimes you saw really, really good players um, making mistakes, like going being three, four meters um, light on a draw where you think just how in the world can you be that off as a Olympic medalist or something? But it was just the ice was tricky because they couldn't get the humidity out, which is which was funny because Wednesday, Thursday, the weather got better outside. So then the humidity got a little out of the of the ice rink. And then you started to see the ice under that was really good. Like we had a couple games, I think the game versus England, our last round robin game, or was it the game before that? Was the ice was perfect. It was just sometimes they got frost on it and then it got difficult because you you just couldn't use the ice how you wanted to use it. But when the frost was gone, the, it was one of the best ices I've ever played on, I would say. Where did you qualify after the round robin? Were you in, did you have to go through a qualification game or were you in the top spot for your pool? No, we, we were third place in our group. We just, like, we, we lost to Canada, Scotland, USA in the round robin. So Canada and Scotland, they were far ahead of us. And USA had a, they were, I think, 4-0 and after four games and then started losing just enough so they could like i think they went to five wins four losses then um so we were one win ahead of them and placed third and got to play sweden in the qualification game i think it should be should be called quarterfinals though i like i still don't like it's qualification game is such a like i get it it's not a quarterfinal because there aren't four um games but still, quarterfinal sounds better than a qualification game. So in my mind, I'm counting as a counting it as a quarterfinal. Okay, and so how did the game against Sweden go then? Was that were you nervous for that one or? On the ice, it was good for me. Uh, the story, 
the last year or so, it's always been the same thing that before games, I really feel the, the, the pressure. But as soon as the practice starts, it really goes away. And that's one thing I think has changed over the last couple of years in 2019 and 21 and the World Juniors and the Mixed Doubles. Um, I think I really felt the pressure more on the ice as well. And now I, I feel the pressure before, but not on the ice. On the ice, it's just um, the focus is way more on the curling. And the game against Sweden was was one of, like, I, I would really, I, I will watch it in a couple of days. I think I will watch it uh, again just to see it because that was, for me, actually the emotionally, funnily, funny enough, the bigger win compared to the bronze medal. I'm not sure. Like, the emotions after we won that Sweden game were bigger than the emotions after we won that bronze medal game, which is still kind of, I don't know why, but I just know that from how I felt, it was like that. Because if you make the semifinal, it's already a huge week. I think, like I said, like after we lost the semifinal against Eve Moore, uh, Scottish team, I think I said to the Scottish coach, like, well, if somebody had told me before the week that we make the semifinal and then, then lose to Scotland, I would have taken it. Like, because we've never been into, like, in a playoff scenario anyway. So being in a semifinal is already huge. And I think just winning the quarterfinals meant you get a, get to play another two TV games on World Championship ice in a semifinal and a bronze medal game. Um, that's just the reward. So did you, so did you think that attitude helped you when you were in the bronze medal game then? Cause I got, I could almost see some people thinking the opposite, like, uh Oh, I've lost the semifinal and now I'm, I may not get a medal. Right. So. Yes. Like when we, when we won the quarterfinal game, um, I was trying to sem- tell myself just for psychology's sake, um, that's already great. The next two games are the reward for, what has happened the last couple of years, all the work that has been put in, like playing those games is the reward and just go out there and enjoy it. And we did that, I would say. But when you lose that semifinal, you still feel terrible. Like after the semifinal, I was like, you told yourself beforehand that no matter what happens now, it's a great week, but you now still feel terrible. And <laughs> so it was great winning that bronze medal game because like if you lose the bronze medal game, you're fourth at a world championship, which is still would have been a great result like just for myself at 21 being fourth and for us both like we've never been in the uh, in in the playoffs at a at an olympic like at the mixed doubles or women's or men's um but when you lose the last two games i don't think you feel that well um so it was relief after the bronze medal game okay so so you you said before you weren't even sure about your long-term plans for this team at the beginning when you first got together, but what are your plans now? Like, what do you, have you, have you and Pia Lisa had a chance to talk and think about what you're going to do now? Are you going to kind of build on this? Are you planning to play more regularly on the mixed doubles tour? Um, well, we played a lot of events on the mixed doubles tour this season. Like we played, I think 12 events together this season, which is like including the world, the Olympic qualification and the world mixed up mixed doubles championship. I don't think we will play 12, 12 events next year because just, um, yeah, in terms of making it work with the schedule, it will be quite tough. Like Pia Lisa is still working. Like she has been working all the, all through the last couple of years in Munich. Um, 
so she's she has 90 minutes to drive to Füssen and all that stuff so it's not not possible to play 12 events which is I don't think it's even necessary um, to prepare for world championships and national championships um, because the volume is not that important to improve now anymore um, we'll look to like we will continue to play we're right now working on an Instagram page for our team to make it more professional now because so far we've only used my um, my personal uh, Instagram account to update on, on our successes or on, on our games and wins and losses and I think we'll look more to quality like playing high quality events a couple high quality events and then try to win nationals and go to world championship but we will continue playing like we will not stop with this medal and just be like well, that's it. There seems to be two schools of thought at the moment, right? So one is you have, you know, people who focus primarily on fours. So like the world champs, Eve Mirhead, Bobby Lammy, they basically play fours most of the season with their kind of same gender teams. And then they enter mixed doubles events when they can, maybe a couple a year. Uh, whereas you have others. So you mentioned like Perret and Rios are probably the most famous, but the Fowlers from England and a couple, you know, a couple other teams in that event, they're primarily mixed doubles specialists. How do you see the sport going? Do you think it's going to be more of a specialist discipline or do you think it's going to be like fours and people just kind of dropping in for the long term? In terms of how I see the sport going, I think it'll take like quite a while to, until you really see mixed doubles specialist teams that came out of juniors and really just play mixed doubles. That will take a lot of time just because right now I would say, especially in Canada or some uh, the bigger nations, um, there's a lot more money in the four-person team. Like I, I, I don't think Team Gushu or Team Kui or something, they could make the same amount of uh, business case in mixed doubles right now than they do in men's. Um, that's one of the big factors why they still play men's. Do you think there's an advantage to being a specialist? Like, do you think that the teams that just specialize, do they have an edge? Probably the most famous one's John Morris, right? With, uh, with Caitlin Laws in, in 2018, they had, they played like one game together or something that, you know, before they entered the Canadian mixed doubles trials and just went on a roll. Whereas you have other teams that take it like very seriously and it's their primary thing. So do you think, do you think there's an advantage to focusing on mixed doubles or do you think it, it's just the, the two best players out there? I would say that there is an advantage to having played a couple times before you play a big mixed doubles event. So the way that John Morris and Caitlin Laws put, uh, did it was quite a thing. But for them as well, as far as I know, John Morris played a lot of mixed doubles beforehand, just not with Caitlin. And Caitlin played mixed doubles, just not with John. And that's a different thing because um, if you have good communication beforehand, you can, I would say, pretty quickly form a great team and know how to depend on each other. Um, if, you've, if you've only played four-person pe- four curling and then you just play mixed doubles, I think there's an adaptation period. So you have to play, I think, five or ten events to really get used to the mixed doubles because it's a different pace. like psychologically it's um you have less time to think and you have you're you're more running around so you have to get used to how you keep your um energy level at a where we where you can have your draw weight again um but i would personally say the advantage to just playing mixed doubles versus playing both is not that great like if you play enough mixed doubles aside from four person curling it's still going to decide who's the better curler like the better curler wins. So that's why a lot of the times when you have 
the big nations they play their national competition still the great the best curlers of the country win because they're just they make more shots and they at the end of the day, mixed doubles is still about making curling shots. Where do you see mixed doubles fitting in your future, right? Are, are you and Pia Lisa going to make this your primary event now and kind of gun for Cortina as like you're through the mixed doubles pathway? Or do you see yourself also having a four-person four person men's team when you age out of juniors this year? For Pia, it will, I assume it will stay her um, primary um, competition. So she'll play, like she has played mixed doubles since 2018. She has only played mixed doubles. And maybe a couple like played mixed, like the actual mixed uh, teams a little bit, but mixed doubles is her main priority. For me, um, I'm looking to get back into into men's curling as well next season. I've been out of that for a couple of years now, um, but I'm looking to do both um, in a way. We'll, we are still working out how that how that works, how the teams are committing and who's on which team and all the stuff that will take quite a um, another couple of weeks until we know how that's going to work. But I assume I'll play a couple men's tournaments next year and play men's and mixed doubles at the same time. And ideally going for Torino, obviously, but that's a lot of a long way from here to Torino. And right now it's not looking like we, we commit for four years on one team, um, either men's or mixed doubles, like mixed doubles. We have talked about now playing, continue, continuing to play, and obviously, if you keep having success, we, we're going to go until Torino. And right now, I don't see, like, I personally don't don't see myself playing with mixed doubles with anyone but Pia. Like, we play together. We're one team. Um, but we're just planning for the next season now. You, you cannot look too far ahead. Um, obviously, we're, we're now trying to build on that success that we had this year and prove to ourselves that we can have regular success that way. We don't, like, maybe get into playoffs at a world championship without needing Jocelyn Peterman to make some crazy shots in the last game to win against USA. That would be nice to um, have it in our own hands uh, in the round robin, but um, just building upon that success, we're going to continue to play. Let's hope maybe there's Grand Slams mixed doubles in the future. We don't know that yet. Um, that would also obviously be awesome because right now we are number 11 in the world. We should be, we could be in there. And um that would be great to play something like that and try to for more world mixed doubles championships. And if you do well there, you're obviously going to end up in Torino at some point. But um, yeah, I'll be playing men's next year, hopefully as well. You mentioned this a bit that that there's still not much money in mixed doubles at the elite level. So what do you think needs to happen to grow mixed doubles at least competitively? Because I actually think it's really taking off now at the club level as kind of like a fun fun activity like our mixed doubles league was full this year but internationally or like for competitive stuff like you said it doesn't make much financial sense to be a full-time mixed doubles player if you're a professional curler so outside of the olympics what do you think has to happen to to grow the sport to make it more attractive for for team people to dedicate full-time to it well actually in the smaller countries i don't think the money is that big of an issue because in germany it doesn't make a difference if you play men's or mixed doubles because sponsorship isn't that huge anyway but um i was talking about mostly canada i would say um in terms of money there because there's a lot more money involved there i don't know numbers and i don't know if that's even that accurate but that's my assumption that most teams still play men's and i've heard interviews that that's the case um in terms of how you grow mixed doubles i think it just takes a lot of time like 
when I was envisioning as a kid how my curling life would go, I was envisioning playing skip on a on a junior uh, on a junior team and winning the world juniors and then playing uh, like throwing the last shot like that that's the dreams you have as a kid and mixed doubles only existed since 2009 so there's still a lot of time until people really grow up and have that dream i want to be a mixed doubles player right now it's oh nice to play mixed doubles let's try that it's another world championship um but most of the players that were playing mixed mixed doubles right now they started playing men's and women's so that's how they always envisioned their curling career to go i think that's a one reason that it still it just takes time to get everyone used to that mixed doubles is the same as men's and women's like it's one of three categories in, in curling and in terms of money having more tournaments and slowly starting to grow the tour like the tour and the mixed doubles tour in, in switzerland is and in europe is really good i would say there's a lot of tournaments you can play and a lot of competition also because like anytime you have mixed doubles you have like there's only two players so and one man and one woman so you theoretically have four times the amount of people that could enter an event because with men's it's you have to have four men's with June uh, mixed doubles you only have one man so you have four four times the amount of people that can enter events so you get way more way bigger events um the tour in switzerland is great but it just like it grows every year it just needs time like men's and women's have existed for what 70 80 years and slowly gotten more professional and mixed doubles is just they started later so it just needs time finally how could you so say you mentioned you have a new social media account so how can people follow you on social media and are there any sponsors that you'd like to thank that helped you this season well in terms of social media like the last couple of years i've uh, we've used instagram my personal instagram um it's a public profile it's claudius harsh just one name claudius with k and then harsh um which where there's all our um world mixed doubles curling championship stuff on there and i'll continue to um use my page to inform about my curling and in terms of like for Pialisa and myself, we are right now working on an Instagram page for our team, which is not online yet. So if you follow my page, um, I'll make an announcement on um, the Instagram page for Pialisa and myself when it gets online. And then we'll have a team team account and informing about um, what we are planning to do, et cetera. And I think that's the way to go. Follow my page and then you can see when I, we announce the team page and then you can follow the team page. And in terms of sponsors, um, our main sponsor this season was uh, Hardline Curling. They've supplied us with our um, with our equipment all season and at the World Championships and helped us save some rocks that my intern, when I threw it tight, Pialisa could save it because of Hardline. And that's that supported us pretty good there. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Claudius. And good luck at the World Juniors. Uh, hopefully uh, you have another medal there. And uh, good luck with your future endeavors too. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. You can find all of our previous episodes and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast app, and leave a review. If you enjoyed listening, the greatest compliment we can receive is when you tell a friend about us. That helps us grow and helps us share our love of this great game. 
If you have a comment or question, or you just want to talk about curling, you can email us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Curling Podcast. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Rocks Across the Pond. Thank you again, and we will talk to you real soon.